right, everybody. Glad to have you with me this morning. Welcome to the Digital Cathedral. Coming to you this morning out of Houston, Texas, right in the middle of summertime. We're hot and dry in Texas. So I hope wherever you're living, it's a little bit cooler and you're enjoying maybe some summer rains. We're not getting much here in Houston. All right, I got so much ground I want to cover this morning, and I'm really excited about this teaching, and I hope I hope it lights a fire in you. I want to look at some things that we have talked about in the past, but I want to look at it from some different angles and maybe take it down just a level or two and challenge you and stretch your understanding about those verses out of Acts chapter 3, which you're going to know well by the end of this year and by the time we kind of explore this whole idea of the restoration of all things. The reason I'm spending so much time on this and I kind of integrate a message in every four or five weeks on the restoration of all things is simply because I think it's probably the most current word, the most current kingdom word that I could possibly deliver to you. And the writer of Acts just laid it out so clearly in Acts chapter 3 verse 21. And like I say, you're going to get to know this verse well. By the time we're done, you're going to, as soon as you hear the first couple of words, it's going to be like, name that tune in two notes. You're going to be able to, to name this verse real quickly. Here's what Acts chapter 3, verse 21 says. Speaking about Jesus, it says that heavens must receive him until the time of restoration of all things. Now, the word heaven there is not some far distant place at some planet way out at the end of the Milky Way. It's not what he's talking about. When he says that heaven must receive him, he's talking about a dimension, a level of consciousness. There is a a place of unveiling that will not take place, of revelation that will not take place until the restoration of all things. Now, what what is the restoration of all things? What What is the parameter? What's the boundary on that? Well, he tells us the restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, Moses was a prophet. So we're going to have to take it right back to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, to understand what the purpose, the plan of God was, and how this restoration should look when it's finally completed. And it's going to look entirely different than most of us were drilled for a long, long, long time in the church. So we're going to get into some of that this morning, and I, I, want, to, I want to show you from Scripture what the restoration of all things will look like and how it's contrary probably to what you, you you were taught about the rapture, the second coming, all of that kind of thing that was always put off into the future to some kind of pana, panacea that was unrealistic, not scriptural, and was never going to happen. Here's what I want to say first of all. Here's what I want to really implant on your mind this morning. The heart of every manifesting son, the motivation, the goal, the target, the mission of every manifesting son and daughter. And when I say manifesting son, I'm not talking about gender, male or female. I'm talking about humankind. The the, the goal, the target, the motivation, what we want to get finished is the restoration of all things. And he tells us in verse 21, what the parameter and the boundary of that restoration is. It's everything that was spoken of since the very beginning of time. And I want us at the Digital Cathedral to understand that we play a very vital part. We're, we're, we're instrumental in this process. And where the Father has us today, I think, is to illuminate, to bring light and understanding to what this looks like. Because we've, we haven't been taught about this. And so if I teach on it fairly regularly and I keep taking it deeper and deeper and challenge you more and more about it, it's because we're not hanging on to the rapture anymore. We're not waiting for some kind of escape when things get really bad and just before we're pulled down the drain and everything goes to hell in a handbasket, literally, that we we are... We are taken out of here in the middle of the night because if we are not taken out of here in the middle of the night, then all of us are going to be defeated. The entire program of Jesus is put on uh, back order. It's never going to happen. So I'm not talking about any of that. And because we have been so indoctrinated with a very false eschatology, it's important that we, we keep plowing down in this field of the restoration of all things. 
And the other thing I want to point out is, as I said, is the importance that you play in this. And I know it's important, and I know it's the Father's plan, because he always chooses a relational way to work out the desires of his heart. He doesn't just sovereignly swoop in and, and, and make it all happen. He works through people. He works through a process. We can look at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. He, he put man on the planet. He was working out the Garden of Eden and his intentions through Adam and Eve. When we come to Moses, even before Moses, Abraham, he came to Abraham. When he wanted to bring the, the nation of Israel into existence, he goes to Abraham. He goes to a person. He wants to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. He goes to a person. He goes to Moses. I'm, wa I'm wanting to, you to see here the importance that people play, always play, in the plan of the Father. He's going to work his plan. He's going to bring it to uh, a climax, to fruition, through people. When the Father wanted to bring the message of grace to the Gentile world, he picked Paul, very unlikely man, steeped in religion, pulled him off to the side, revealed himself, knocked him off his horse to the ground, takes him out into the desert, spent several years imparting this revelation so that Paul could come back through a person. I mean, God could have just sovereignly opened up the skies and put a scroll in the heavens that said what he wanted to say, but he doesn't work that way. He works through people. That's his design. It's his purpose. That's his plan. All right, we're, let's look over at Hebrews chapter 1. I want to I reaffirm this with you because I, I don't think it can be emphasized enough that you're the plan of God. You're the plan of God on the planet. And let me just put an addendum to that. When I say that, I'm not saying that you try to work it up or make it happen. It's a work of the Spirit. It's a work of the kingdom. It's a, it's a work of the Father in your life. And he will bring it to pass. Now look what he says here in Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going, to, I'm going to drill down a little bit on the importance that each of us play in this process. It says, God, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at various times in a different way spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. He has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom, and he was a man, he came as a man, through his son, whom he has, listened, he has appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. He made the worlds and appointed a son, a human, to be the heir of all things. When God wanted to get the job done, he came himself in human flesh in the form of his son to accomplish his plan and made him the heir of all things. So what is this? When, it, when I read that Jesus is the heir of all things, it tells me that I am also an heir of the Father, that I'm an heir of all creation, that I'm a joint, I, I am in joint responsibility with Jesus to establish the kingdom and to release creation from the bondage, from the hole that we have dug. And like one elder told me one time, he said, if you find yourself in a hole, the best way to get out is to stop digging. And so I think we've come to a place now today where we're, we're not digging the hole deeper anymore. We've stopped the digging, and now we're starting to process our, our way out. So he's created Jesus. He sent Jesus to be the heir of all things. Now he brings you into this in, in Romans chapter 8 in case you, you wondered what your responsibility is. And you do have a call. You have a mission. And let me say again, it's not that you have to try to strive to become some kind of worldwide ministry or some kind of important piece in the puzzle. He's designed you. He created you. He's wired you to fill exactly the role that you're filling today. Now, when you look at your role, it may, not, it may seem like nothing. It may seem like you're insignificant. You have no, no part in the matter. But that's not true. You're, you're the piece of the puzzle. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, and he's pulled you off and inserted you right where you need to be inserted. So don't sweat it. Just begin to understand it and begin to agree with it. He says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. That's your position. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Connection, relationship, no separation. Got to say more about that. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. Now, verse 17, he brings you in. Remember, he just said in, Roman, in Hebrews chapter 1 that he made Jesus the heir of all things. Now, watch, he brings you in as a son also. 
Verse 17, and if sons, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, a joint heir with Christ. Man, we have not taken that down to where it needs to be. We have not explored the depths of what it means to be a joint heir with Christ. We look at Christ, we look at Jesus, say, well, that was him, I'm me. No, no, you're a joint heir. The responsibility that he sent Jesus to fulfill becomes now your responsibility. This planet belongs to us. This planet belongs to us. So if indeed, if we suffer with him, if you go through adversity, go through some problems, you're also going to be glorified together. So I'm just drilling that down. I want you to see right to the very start of the teaching today that we are a joint heir, that we have responsibility. And we're learning right now to take our position as sons. We're learning to take our position as a joint heir with Christ where the kingdom is going to find a place of priority and an ultimate establishment over every other kingdom on the planet. Let me say that again. Ultimately, we're going to find that the kingdom of God finds a superior position among every other kingdom, every other power, dominion, authority that's on the planet. It first, however, has to be established within us. The first place that the kingdom is established is within me. If I can't submit to the kingdom, if I don't seek it first, if I don't allow the ramifications of being a joiner with Jesus to play out in my life, it can go no further. And this is where we're at today. It's playing out in the lives of individual people. It's playing out in you that are with me here at the Digital Cathedral. Every week we gather together and we learn more and more and more about position, authority, uh, responsibility. And so again, our primary purpose is to understand we are at the point of release from the Father into the world as join heirs with Jesus to take our position, to understand our responsibility, to work toward bringing the restoration of all things. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 4. And what he, remember, what he says, everything he says about Jesus, everything we know about Jesus, he's saying about us as well. So he's saying this in verse 4 of Galatians 4. When the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth his son. He sent you. Sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Jesus was the firstborn. He's the firstborn among many brethren. He's, he came into the planet as the first. And the purpose of him coming is so that we might receive the adoption of sons. That word receive there means to just take hold of what already belongs to us. It's, um, it's the word lambano, but it has a prefix to us. And it means simply to receive back that which is yours, to recover it, to restore it, to, to reclaim it. It's, it's not something that you, it's not a work you have to do. It's a, it's a grabbing a hold of what belongs to you. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of, it in the, of, of his son into your heart, whereby you're crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a servant. All right, that time of release, you're no longer a servant. Servant, if you read the first part of the chapter, is under governors and tutors. He's being nurtured. He's being raised. He has uh, potential, but no responsibility, no authority. But now the time has come for the release. And I want you to understand, just as when the fullness of the time came and he sent Jesus, now the fullness of the time has come and you're no longer a servant, but you're a son. And if you're a son, check it out. You are an heir of God through Christ Jesus. So today we're fully, we're fully realizing. And our, the full realization we have of sonship today is not the totality of the, the, the full revelation. We're just coming into it. This is the appointed time of the Father. We're sensing the release. The call right now that we have in our life is to get our consciousness focused on the bigger picture. It's to, get, it's to move our focus off of the ups and the downs of everyday living. What our senses are feeding to us, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, uh, what we're, we're, we're sensing that's coming naturally, it's to move our focus off of that. Jesus did not have a focus on the Roman kingdom. He did not have a focus on establishing a natural kingdom. He had a focus and he had one message and it was the kingdom of God. We've got to get our eyes off the ups and downs. Jesus told us, Jesus warned us, but he also gave us a hope in, in the warning. 
in, in uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. Hope you don't mind I use a lot of scripture. It's just me. John 6, 33, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. That's where the focus is, brother. That's where, my, that's, where, that's where my eyes are. It's on the peace that he gives. These things I've spoken to you, that in, in me you may have peace. I ain't coming out of him. I'm not, I'm not letting go of my peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. There'll be ups, there'll be downs. There'll be a pushback against you. It's just bound to happen. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. If he's overcome the world and I'm in him, guess what? I've overcome the world as well. You're an individual part in this process. You're an individual part of the whole which is bigger than you. Move your consciousness this morning. Move your focus off of everything that's going around you. Stock market's up, stock market's down. Inflation comes, inflation goes. If you're moved by all those things, you'll never be able to come into the realization of sonship. You'll never have the revelation of who you actually are. We're changing our focus. Right now, our, our lens is from a seated in Christ in the heavens perspective. That's how we view all things, how we view people. It's how we view situations. We're seeing and we're living out the Father's original design and intention. Our, our focus has probably already been brought back to what the Father's design was. And that is to restore everything back to the intimate relationship that the Father always intended. From the very get-go of creation, God wanted everything connected to himself. The creator and creation were always designed to be together, always designed to be one. It was never designed to be separation. So let me just hit a few verses on that. <clears throat> I read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Let me read verse 3 out of Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 3. Speaking about Jesus, it says that Jesus is the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. And he upholds everything by the word of his power. There is nothing outside of, of what Jesus has embraced through the power of his word. Everything. See, that's, 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 that's the Father's intent. That's how God designed it. That everything would be under the auspices of the power of the word of Jesus. He upholds all things by the power or by the word of his power. Then in, in uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17, we read this. And it's, it's right along the same line. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17. And Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's original design right there. Original design was that everything would be held together in Christ. We go back to Ephesians 1.4. It says that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. We were held together. He's, he's the glue that holds every. He's the, he's the gorilla glue that holds everything together. He never led us outside of that. That was always the Father's intention. Then in uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 36, I love this verse. It says that everything came from God, goes through God, and returns back to God. That's not linear. That's circular. We're in that loop. We, we, we can't get outside of it. I, I, I'm just emphasizing that the Father always designed us to be one with him. He designed all of creation to be one with him. But somewhere along the line, we missed it. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hit that. We're going to talk about it. You're the, you're the man. You're the God-filled being that God has designed to be a partaker of all that God has designed, everything that God has created on this planet, everything that God created from the very beginning. He has designed you to be the heir of. In, in uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Let me get the right Bible here. In Genesis chapter 1, here's, here's what he said. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. You've heard us how many hundreds of times? According to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, 
over all the earth, over all the earth, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. This is the design. And we read that the restoration of all things spoken of by the prophets since time began. This was written by Moses. It's credited to Moses, who was a prophet. So when, when, when Moses spoke these things, when God revealed, this is how it all originated, Moses, and Moses recorded it, this is what will be restored. This is, it always has been. This has been set in concrete. God has never changed this. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything that creeps and moves on the earth. Now, let, let, let me just point something out here real quick. And I got to keep moving this morning because I got a lot of ground to cover. He said in, in verse 26, let us make men in our likeness according to our image and let them have dominion. I, I like that he said, let them have dominion. Dominion. Now what you have heard all of your life is let them take dominion. We've been spending all our lives trying to take dominion. And that's, that has been a work. It's been an effort. It's been something that has been placed in front of us constantly. That's where all the spiritual warfare nonsense comes from. It's trying to take, take dominion away from that devil that has uh, somehow illegitimately got it from us. No, that's not what, what he said. He said, let them have it. That means you already possess it. Today we're learning how to begin to enter into having the dominion. I'm trying to get across this morning that Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8 was spoken by the prophet Moses. It's set in order. It's set in place the way that the Father designed it from the beginning. And he's never changed his mind. Never changed his mind. All of creation needs to be free to come back to that place of restoration that the Father designed. The entire planet is in a mess right now because it has sunken to where it is from the do-it-yourself system. The do-it-yourself system is a product of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <clears throat> the do-it-yourself system is how man lives today. It's every society, every culture is doing what benefits them, what's best for them, what they desire to see take place. We live in a world where we as sons have been given responsibility for, but we've let that responsibility that he gave us at the beginning, that Jesus came back objectively to fully reinstitute, we've let that slip away through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man has made choices because he does what he thinks is best for him, been going on for centuries, but makes a choice what is good for his government, his country, his part of the puzzle, and those choices, follow me, those choices have resulted in every bondage you find on the planet, every loss of identity, wars, rumors of war, conflicts, divisions, uh, envy, strife, hatred. It's how man has dug a hole. He's been digging now for a long, long time. As I said earlier, I think we've come to a place where we're finally stop, stop digging. But all of those things, all of the negativity, all of the, the junk, all of the war, all the conflict, all the hate, all of the, the racism, everything has come as a result of man's choosing. Choosing. And if man chose to get into it, man can choose to get out of it. And the way we choose to get out of it is by moving from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and moving to the tree of life, which is simply a tree of response. It's simply a tree of hearing what the Father says in doing it. It's hearing what the Father says and saying what He says. It's coming into an agreement that the restoration of all things is at hand. It's at the door and it's knocking. The restoration of our identity, the restoration of our position, the restoration of our authority, as it takes place, it automatically frees creation. It's Paul said, what is it? Um, is it Romans 5.19? That all creation groans and travails looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're the leaders in this. We were the ones that were given the authority and the power to oversee and we've let it go. So we establish kingdom principles. Let me just give you three kingdom principles that if we're established on the earth would totally change the environment and the culture. If we established love, unconditional love, if we established forgiveness, 
and the inclusion of everybody. If we no longer saw anybody after the flesh, but sees them like God sees them. Just love, forgiveness, and inclusion. If just those three things, if we begin to eat from the tree of life and demonstrated those, made the decision that that's how we're going to live, it changed the entire planet. We have that ability. Man has, man has that power and God's not going to take it back. There will come a time, there will be a time that we see it manifested. If we aren't restored, then creation will not be restored. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that do-it-yourself system, has kept our identity hidden from us. It has made us make choices and see ourselves in ways that are, are not true. It's kept us striving and working. Today, people are gathered by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in churches, and they're, and they're being taught to strive to work for, to make a decision to be more committed, to be uh, sold out, to press in, all those things. They're trying to strive to become what we already have and who we already are. It was the same from the very beginning. The temptation that came to Adam was this, you need to become like God. Well, he already was in the image and the likeness of God. Temptation came to Jesus. If you are the son of God, do this. He didn't have to prove it. He knew who he already was. He recaptured. He had his identity. He always lived with his identity. Religion has lived from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and as a result, it's lived in darknesses, all because of the decisions and choices that it's made. And it's become powerless. The church has become impotent. It has not established the kingdom because it's working off the wrong premise. It's working from the wrong tree. It's created, at, now, now to compensate for that, it's created this doctrine of escape. It has become frustrated that it, can't, it can never establish the kingdom. It will never fulfill what all the prophets said. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It will be established. It will come to pass. But because religion didn't think it could, it, it had this crazy vision a couple hundred years ago of man escaping as civilization gets worse and worse and darker and darker. And there's a plethora of books and prophets and people that call themselves prophets on the planet today that are telling us that very thing. Everything that happens fits into a, a prophetic end where we have to escape and get out of here. We have been, we've been sold a lie and that has caused us to live on this planet like renters instead of owners. Renter never takes care of the property. Renter has no interest in the property. He's using it. When he's done with it, he leaves. As a result, we haven't taken care of this. We haven't taken ownership responsibility. We have not stewarded the planet because we've been told that when the lease is up, that the devil has a lease on the planet. And when the lease is up, we're out of here. When the lease is up, we're out of here. Now, this is where you come in. This is where you come in even though you may feel, not realize it or feel like it. This is where you're coming in. The light is beginning to penetrate that tree of the knowledge of good and evil system, that do-it-yourself system. <clears throat> the light of rest, the light of sonship, the light of restoration is beginning to penetrate. And as it penetrates, it's shaking things. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken right now. Every system that can be uh, uh, brought to account is being brought to account. The whole do-it-yourself thing is being, is being dismantled and it's coming to a place where we realize it's not working, where we do just what's best for us and what's best for our government. Now, the, 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 the time is here. You are the light of the world, not just the United States of America or Australia, whatever country you're in. You're the light of the world. You're the leaven in the entire lump. You're the first fruits out of the system that has ensnared us. And that system has fully, entirely ensnared us. And you're coming out of that system. So if it's not the rapture, let me look ahead. Let me just look ahead in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and show you how this thing will end up. What does the restoration of all things really look like? <clears throat> I've, I've read it for you uh, I, in times past out of the... New King James. Let me read it out of the Passion Translation today just, just to give you another little bit of different look. Here's, you want to know how things are going to shake out? Here's how it ends up. I mean, Paul, Paul tells us plainly, and we don't have to make up some theory from some girl that had a vision 200 years ago that's made an escape possible for the church. That's hogwash. Jesus is not 
Jesus came to restore. He didn't come to provide a way for us to get out of here just before the devil takes over everything. That's nonsense. That's, 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 it's a slap in the face to the finished work of the cross, to be frank with you. Listen to this. Then the final stage of completion comes. Are you ready? Here it comes. When he will bring to an end every other rulership, authority, and power, and he will hand over his kingdom to the Father. Until then, he's destined to reign as king until all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. The last enemy to be subdued and eliminated is death itself. Man, that thing, that, that's stirring in me right there. That's stirring in me. It's going to take me a few months to, to put it together, but you're going to hear some things that may just shock you. The last enemy to be subdued and eliminated is death. Death is not our friend. Death was never meant to be the doorway into a higher level of understanding and consciousness to heaven. The Father has placed all things in subjection under the feet of Christ. Yet when it says all things, is under, it is understood that the Father does not include himself. For he is the one who placed all things in subjection to Christ. However, when everything is subdued, see, I'm telling you how this is going to end up. When everything is subdued and in submission to Christ, then the Son himself will be subject to the Father, who put all things under the feet of Jesus. This is so. Here's, here's how, don't let anybody tell you this is not how it's going to end up. This is how it's going to end up. This is so that the Father God will be everything in everyone. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 24 to 28. You can read it for yourself. It's a clear picture. I, I, you, you need an evangelical pastor to help you misunderstand what Paul just plainly lays out and says, Here, here's how it's going to come down. That's the full restoration. And God is all in all, exactly like he designed it. Exactly as he said back in, in Genesis chapter 1, man is to subdue, man is to have authority, man is to have power. We're joint heir with Jesus. We, we jointly with Christ bring this into happening. Aren't you glad God calls the end from the beginning? He called the end from the very beginning. Then he set in motion, without regard to, to any linear time, how it would shake out. Everything from God, through God, to God, Romans 11:36. He's not working on a linear time. It's all circular. It's all going to break out. It's going to happen. And there's that there's an old song from the 60s called Time is on my side. I, I'd sing it for a little bit, but I can't sing. But time is on God's side. He's got all kinds of time. The new covenant that lays out um, post-resurrection, if I can say it this way, lays out the post-resurrection path brings all of humanity into one family. There's no more separation. There's no more division. <clears throat> this idea of inclusion is the one truth that has escaped us for, for 2,000 years. And it, we've not produced it. It's because of separation. We've, we've done all kinds of things to separate. But the truth of the matter is this. We are one body. We are one spirit. We are one people. And we, there's no separation. You, you remember that verse from Galatians? i got to hurry this morning, so I'm not going to turn over there. But it says in, in Christ there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no Greek, there's no heathen. But everyone, including the old Scythians out there on the backside of the Russian frozen tundra, Christ is in all. There's no separation. There's no, no difference in any of us. See, we've become separation specialists, and that was never the heart of God. God, God never was into any kind of separation. we got 44,000 Last time I looked on Google, 44,000 denominations today that are all separate from the other 43,999. Man has separated himself, and, and, and he's done it by race, he's done it by color, by nationality, by clan, tribe, social status, class, position, finances, education, gender, sexuality, occupation, all those things. The big, the big separation has been hermeneutics, how we take the Bible, the, 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 the very book that should be bringing us together and revealing how the restoration of all things will take place has been the one book that has created 44,000 separations. And I'm telling you that's coming to an end. All identities, 
that separate us from our authentic identity, which we all have, image and likeness of God, oneness with Him. All those separations have got to close. <clears throat> and in Genesis 3.15, God prophetically said, here's how it's going to close. He said, I'm going to put an enmity between the seed of, of the enemy and the, and the seed of Christ, and the seed of Christ is going to put under his feet. This is what we read in 1 Corinthians 15. And there's only going to be one. There's no separation, no division. In the, in the kingdom lived out as the body of Christ, we're all equally important. We're all one. Some of us have a different position. Some of us have a different calling, a different part of the body. But we, we're all one. We're all the same. All children of God are fully included in the new covenant. We all are included in the body of Christ. We were never taught that. We were never taught that. And it's, it's, it's been revealed to minds that are, were closed but are now opening. And as a result, we've lived way less than what God intended. Can I, can I read it for you? Can I take just a minute? <clears throat> Let me read this for you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I said that kind of fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just going to read a few verses here. And this is so important because this, this shuts all the door to separation. The idea that there could ever be separation. And this, is, this is, points to the importance of all of us. Now, I want you to listen carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me read verses 18 to 27, 1 Corinthians 12. Pick it up in verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body as it pleased him. Each member is set in the body. You are set in the body. And you are set there as it pleased God. Now in pleasing God, don't you think that when he created you, he made you in a specific way, a very unique way that expressed his image and likeness and then set that unique part which you are into the body, that without you, the body's not complete. You say, well, I'm just an old guy up here, uh, you know, living in the woods in a cabin. I, you're, fill, you're fulfilling just that part. And when you, when you spend your time alone with the Father out there in the woods, if you're out there in a cabin, you know what? You, you, the things that you meditate and think, quantum, quantum science, quantum physics tells us, has an effect on the other side of the world because we're all, we're all connected. You don't have to physically be in the presence of somebody to be connected. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, sometimes with our spouse, when you've been married for a lot of years, you think a lot. You can think a thought, and your spouse will actually <clears throat> verbalize it. You know, there are times I can, I can sit in my recliner if I'm watching the ball game. I'd like some popcorn. I just think popcorn, popcorn. Well, make some pop, and I'll be doggone if she doesn't make popcorn. I, I can't tell you how many times that I did it one time on, I, I did a video, I did it live. I said, look, I, I would like some popcorn. I'm watching the ball game, I'm watching the answer. I really like some popcorn. I'm going to think this and, and I'm going to tell you something. My wife's going to, going to do it. And I kept, and she did, she did. I, she tells me, you know, I was just thinking about that. What do you, what would you like for dinner? And I'm, I've been thinking all day, man, I really like a cheeseburger. I'm a cheeseburger freak. We're having cheeseburgers tonight. Fine with me. That's just what I've been thinking. See, you work together. You don't have to be in physical presence. He set you in the body as it pleased him. Watch this now. <clears throat> and if they were all one member, where would the body be? You can't all be Don Keithley doing the digital cathedral on Sunday morning. But what you hear Don Keithley say at the digital cathedral, I hope inspires you to fulfill your part. That's My part is to help you fulfill your part. See, my job is to bring you to the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's my, that's my whole passion. That's the only reason I do this. That's why I'm not laying on the beach over in Florida somewhere, right? It's because I got a job to do. I got a part to play. But now, but now there are many members, many members, one body. No schism, no separation. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And again, the head to the feet, I don't need you. No. Much more. Now, this is important. Much more. Rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker or seem to have less importance are necessary. So if you think that you're not a necessary part, you're lying to yourself. You're a very necessary part. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor in our, our uh, un unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Now, listen. 
since our presentable parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it. Those of you that think you have no importance, you are the most important. I don't know how to tell you this. Verse 25, that there should be no schism, no separation in the body. So all those things that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has created separation, all because man made the decision to be separated, race, color, nationality, clan, occupation, uh, stock portfolios, all that sexuality, all of that stuff. It's, it, is a, it is a lie. It comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he's, he's closing all those separations. Man, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. Verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. So I want to make sure I ain't suffering. So I want to make sure you're not suffering. And if one rejoices, I'll rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ and members in particular. God's plan, God's purpose has never changed. And separation of any kind. Man, I've, you hear that all the time. There's no separation between man and God. Let me tell you, there's no separation between parts of the body either. My fingers and my hand have no separation. My eyes and my ears coordinate together. I would hate to be without my right arm. I'd hate to be without my big toe. I couldn't balance properly, right, when I walk. Every part is important. We need to awaken to that reality that there is an interconnectedness between all of us and all of us play an extremely important part. And without each of us, the body of Christ is not complete. God had a plan to deal with separation. Genesis 3.15, we're not, I'm not going to go read all that, but it's the seed of Christ that's going to, sep, that's going to close every separation that our choices and decisions have dug for us that's created all of the hate, the war, the strife, the envy. Those have all come because man has created every separation. Listen to me. Every separation has been man-generated. It's been from man's choice living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man was the one that created a separation in his mind. He walked away from God. God never walked away from any man. Man filled himself with sin consciousness. That was his choice. He never should have had a mind that was filled with sin consciousness. Man's the one that created this angry, distant, unconcerned deity, has no relationship to my everyday life. He's not concerned. Man created that. Man created the doctrine of eternal separation. God never created eternal separation. Man is the one that took words out of the Bible, redefined them to make a customized torture chamber that would burn us. We would be twisting and turning in torment. Man created, man made a decision and created that to control and manipulate for his own benefit. Right? Man created us and them. We just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's not the design of the Father. The Father never yielded to any of that nonsense. Listen, I'm teaching good this morning. If you'll get this down into your spirit, you can change the world in which you live. The kingdom is first established in here. You first come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ before your family does, for your city, your state, your nation, the world. It works progressively like leaven in a lump, and you, my friend, are the leaven. Father never, never moved on his message. He, 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 the Father remained on message. The Father remained on exactly what he said. The Father never took that stamp of image and likeness off of any human being. It was man's decision that came up with the idea of an edemic nature, of a sin nature, man being born in sin, separated from God. That was a decision and choice man made under the influence of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he looked around and saw evil and said, well, man must have been born in it. He didn't take responsibility and say, no, wait a minute. We, we went to the wrong tree and made choices and decisions that put all of humanity into this predicament. And now God is working to reverse all that and restore man back to where he should be. See, Father never needed to reconcile himself to humanity because he was never separated. We created the separation in our minds by, because of wicked works, Paul said. We thought there was a separation between us and God, and so we ran and hid. The alienation and the hostility in our minds needs reconciliation. 
Here's the Father's plan. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I love this stuff. Ephesians chapter 1. Watch this. Verse, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and faithful in Christ, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the message that he gives that need to be circulated, that need to be spread. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So anything that man has done that has made him unholy or blamable has been his choice and decision. It has not been God's. God's plan was that we not be anything other than holy and unblameable, listen, in his sight. So we're, we're, we're starting to enter that place of seated next to Christ in heavenly places to where that becomes the lens through which we view, the same lens that the Father views when he says, I see you only one way, and it's holy and unblameable. Having predestined us, verse 5, to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself according <clears throat> to the good pleasure of his will. Didn't ask for your decision, didn't ask for a choice of your will. He said, I'm going to do this because I want to do it. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he, he has made us accepted in the beloved. Man, that is good news. He made us accepted in the beloved. It wasn't my choice, my decision, my praying the magic prayer. It wasn't because I renounced anything. He made us acceptable in the beloved. The Father set this plan in motion. The Father endorsed it. The Father never changed it. He never reneged on it. He never gave the power to a, a, a foreign entity. He never gave power to that which has no power. Our decision, our choice has empowered a devil that we've created within ourselves. We start loving, start forgiving, and start including everybody within that circle. You're going to see that evil all of a sudden stops. This thing of, of a devil that we create vanishes. But when Paul said, give him no place, what he meant was, you don't have to empower him if you don't want to. And I don't care what you call him or how you see him. It, the, the only authority he has is because you made a decision to give it to him. When I stopped doing spiritual warfare, I found all of a sudden the warfare quit. When I stopped shadow boxing, I didn't have an opponent anymore. This was God's plan. Look, let me read a little further. Verse 9, same chapter, Ephesians 1. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. We're uncovering the mystery of his will, brother, more than we've ever done. It started with Paul and it's still going. According to the pleasure which he purposed in himself. He made the decision to do this. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, the restoration of all things, the dispensation of the fullness of, of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, in him, in one. In one. All those divisions that the tree of the knowledge created, the race, the color, the you know, the, the finance, the education, all those things, the hermeneutic. We've read the Bible different 43,999 other groups because we got it right. No, he's going to eliminate all that and bring us all into one together. And the unity is going to be love. Love is the unifying force, overlooks other stuff. Doesn't hold men, men liable. Love keeps no account of wrongs. If God is love, as, as John said, and love holds no account of, of wrongs, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, then maybe we just should rethink some things. We should rethink some things. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. See, you're, you got an inheritance, man. You're an heir. You're a joint heir. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He doesn't even take your will into consideration. <laughs> he has wired you in a way that when you begin to eat from the tree of life, his will is your will. Your will is his will. There's no separation. There's actually only one will. That's his, that's his foolproof, bona fide, make sure it goes as he said. Ephesians chapter 1. Read those first 11 verses. Read 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 28. 
And Paul just lays it out there for us exactly how it will be. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. The restoration of sonship means that we are fully and entirely headed to the fullness of who we were as spirit beings before you ever took on this flesh suit. I believe our eternal destiny, I'm talking about eternal past, when we look from the very beginning, I believe that that's where the restoration is coming back so that we can be totally, fully reconnected, as he just said in Ephesians 1.4, in, in Christ, before he ever had a flesh suit, we can be fully reconnected and become whole again. We are not whole yet. We're going to enter into wholeness. All of creation is looking for that in us because we have the responsibility. We, we are the, it doesn't say that a dog is an heir. A jackrabbit is not a co-heir with Jesus. The rose bushes were not given authority and dominion. Man was. So as we take our position, all of creation is looking for it. There's a sense all creation knows that they key off of who we are and what we do. Creation is looking to us to set the whole of creation in order. And let me just say this. I'm done. It will happen. Might not happen while I'm on the planet. It may happen while I'm on the planet and you're on the planet because maybe we're going to be here longer than we anticipated. More on that in a few months. This is a powerful teaching. This is a powerful concept. It's so contrary to religion that I want you to go back. I want you just to re, I want you to just listen to this again. And I want you to let it all settle into your spirit and say, yeah, that's me. That's how I am. That's where I'm headed. And I am an important part of the body of Christ. Amen? All right. Thank you. Father, I just pray that this word would settle deep within our hearts, within our spirits, that it would be more than just a good teaching, but Father, it would become revelation and that this word would become flesh in every life that's listening to this. For however long this, this teaching remains on YouTube, in Jesus' name, amen. See you Wednesday night, Secret Place, back next Sunday morning here at the Digital Cathedral. You have a good week. God bless.